0: All poems are cute. All poems are like cats. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writers Drinking Coffee. Oh, I'll be on. This is a podcast based on writers sitting around, uh, tonight drinking wine, talking about writing. Red coffee. Publishing the whole creative process. That oh, yeah. was la- that. was last week. We do not censor ourselves, so consider us PG-13. Looks, an awful, si-
1: looks awful similar.
0: <laughs> well, we bought a case. This is episode 37, Poetry the First. We have John Schmidt, Chaz and Karen Brenchley, Dave Welsh, and me, Jeannie Warner, and occasionally the cat who's chasing a little paper ball. <laughs> and is not cute at all. Not and, at
2: all. But there is a poem written on the ball, so she's contributing.
0: Well, technically, I think that's one of the edited pages of uh, Barnabas. So. Well,
2: there you go. Be that all as it
3: may, Hello. let me pose the first question. Are all poems cute?
2: No. All poems are like cats. All cats are cute, therefore all poems are cute.
0: John Baltisberger, a recent friend of mine, because he published one of my horror stories,
1: published... <laughs> <laughs>
2: is that all it takes,
0: really. I, pretty much. Um, but he wrote a book of horror poetry. Mm-hmm. And I bought it, because, yep. as you do, because, one, I enjoy horror, two, I enjoy poetry. And it is quite splendidly gruesome. So, no, I would say... All poetry isn't, but there is something—the uh, romance of something. Is it the romance of death? Is it the romance of decay? Is it the romance of?
4: Well, the thing is—is is it gross horror or what, There's, there's um, Neil Gaiman and Steve, Stephen Jones's "Now We Are Sick." Okay, mm-hmm. and it's the same kind of. There is sick, and, and this is you know Neil Gaiman always. No, he wrote Sandman and 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 the, which was wonderfully horrible. Um, horrible, awful, and yet achingly beautiful at the same time. And so I think you can have horror and beauty in poetry if you do it right, if you're good. I mean, if, if bad poetry is bad poetry is bad poetry,
0: good poetry is it's Good poetry amazing. is good poetry. Are you picking yeah. on limericks? Because I, I, I know a limerick.
3: Oh, no. <laughs>
0: Go on, then. <laughs> There's, it. This there, is by Edward Gorey. There will be no stopping her until she does. There once was a lady named Rose who could faint whensoever she chose. She did so one day while playing croquet, but was quickly revived with a hose.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: It works. It does. It does. I don't know if it would woo fair maiden, but... Well, the
1: form... The right kind of fair maiden? The limerick form itself is um, traditionally used for, you know, well, filth. Well, not if not, not filtered no. <laughs> Um or
2: no, educate me extension. then, Chaz. No, no, no. Um, I the well the book I had. Yeah. Oh, the that book would you explain had. everything. Um the I, as far bad, as, bad. as I'm aware, the form was pretty much invented by Edward Lear. Um who his his limericks while as far as I'm aware, the original um they have a, they have an odd pattern where they repeat the last line in the first line they repeat the first line in the last line <laughs> um so there was an old man who with a beard who said it is just as I feared two larks and a wren, three owls, and a hen have all made their nests in my beard um mm-hmm. and like that um and anything that's happened to the limerick since then is an extension and abrogation of previous form. So, um, can, can 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 I do one more? Can I can I? Uh, yes. Please? Do it. Um, um I can't remember it now.
4: Think about it. <laughs> it's okay, we'll edit okay. this right <laughs>
2: now.
4: there are no medieval limericks. Okay? This is not yeah. an old form it's, no, it's And not. I know this because um, I used to research medieval poetry because I belonged to the SCA and was a poet in the SCA, mm-hmm. and I did find one one poem that actually did have that scansion in, in mm-hmm. one. Okay, mm-hmm. and it was and it did not end with a dirty joke or anything, and the the rhyme scheme was not quite mm-hmm. right, but it was the the two the uh, one two and five had the same yeah. mm-hmm. and yeah. and three, and then the three two, One. So so it is when, a modern when, form. It's when a very was modern it, form.
1: When was this? Singular limerick written.
4: Um, it before twelve hundred and yeah. probably um uh, between uh, one thousand and eleven 1,
2: hundred. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's. I'm. I mean, oh. I'm assuming that there is some relationship between the limerick, the form, and limerick, the Irish town. I was just going to ask. I don't know. I am ignorant on this, but I have remembered. Mm-hmm. Um. Now I've forgotten it again. No.
4: <laughs> Red wine. Red, red wine! Candy, it's, red it's, coffee, it, uh, red there candy. was
2: a young lady of Ride who ate some green apples and died. The apples fermented inside the lamented and made cider, cider, inside, inside. I love that. It's, <laughs> it's a very clever.
4: <laughs> Lovely.
2: So, when we're
3: talking about forms and nature of poetry, one of the beauties of the limerick is it's so playful. It started with a famous. <laughs> Edward Lear, of course, was known as a nonsense writer, which yep. does not have now the connotations it had then. Um, it's a form of wit. And the limericks are sometimes seen as a lower form of wit. But if you want to true drunkenness, uh, the narrow road to the deep north by Basho, the Hayaku form, yes, where he's drinking everything to see if the moon's reflected in it. I apologize to serious students of it. That's not exactly true. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. But... Oh. So.
4: We can well, actually going. do a proper haiku, which is a Japanese form.
1: Ah, in English.
4: In English.
1: I don't know, but I think I've written more haiku than any other form, just because they're so short and easy to write.
2: Exactly. I think but, I've written more Clarehue than any other form, just because they're so short and easy to write. Would you care to explain
1: that form? Because I'm not familiar.
2: So there was this guy called Edward Cleverhue Bentley... Um, And he published fiction as E.C. Bentley. But he also invented this form. It is a form of biography um, where you tell the story of a life in four lines. That's right. Four lines? Four lines. I've heard of these. And I don't know if I'm going to remember any Mm -hmm. of his originals, though Mm -hmm. I might try later. Uh Um, But a friend and I spent... A very happy night, mm-hmm. writing... <coughs> writing Clara Hughes. Thank you, yes. Writing Clara Hughes. Uh-huh. Would you like to recite them for me? Because I'm just gone.
1: Um,
2: If only
4: we had a device.
2: I know. Um, so, I do I, I will remember them ad hoc. So the... Um, oh, go ahead. Yes, so I was no, going please, to go ahead. Please. Arthur C. Clarke oh. passed through Finsbury Park. hmm on his way from his banker to Sri Lanka,
4: so they're not very good. No, <laughs> <poems. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> that,
3: well, in course. context, that's actually an excellent poem. Exactly.
2: So how's that? very short. short. Well, Helen of Troy <laughs> was really a boy. He was as gay as Menelaus. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hmm.
1: It 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 reminds me of the double dactyl. Does it? Yes. Tell me about the double dactyl. I don't know about the d the double dactyl is uh well, it it's a form that, that uses um there there are several loose rules, but I mean it's it's double dactyl, so it's da 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 da. Okay. Right? Double two dactyls. Yes, yes, <clears throat> yes. And it's typically biographical and it helps a lot if the oh, um right. if the name of the um the 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 subject of the biography is a double dactyl, so Okay. Um, I wrote I a pair of them. Emerson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and you can cheat a little bit sometimes, sure. right? Okay. Um, I wrote, I wrote a pair of them about um, Romeo and Juliet one time. Okay. Um, which I will be probably stumble over as I try to recite them, um, and they often start with "Higgledy piggledy" because it can be any any nonsense phrase. Um, sometimes it's relevant. Sometimes it's just "Higgledy piggledy." Okay. And. Um, ideally, you you like to have a, a single word in the middle somewhere that is a double dactyl in itself, but that's you know that's kind of like extra credit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, um, uh, no pressure. Yeah. Um, why don't you guys talk a little bit, and I'll. I'll
0: I was going to say, because you started with Higgledy Piggledy, mm. one of my favorites of Dorothy Parker starts that yeah. way. Oh. Piggledy Piggledy, my red hen is laying eggs for the king again. Neither whip nor lash nor lariat could make her lay for the proletariat.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a double rectal.
3: No. No, it's not. I'd like to throw a poem in here. Yeah. This is for Jazz. A number of episodes ago I said, send me a seed and I'll write a poem. So since we talked limerick, Jazz was kind enough to send me a seed and their seed was public transportation so here we go a limerick some find erotic inspiration when the train bus or ship leaves its station whether groping on a bus or on a train sating your lust there's a jolt in public transportation Hmm. all
0: right
4: so as we're reading poems i will tell you so i have a competition for you. I call it the Iron Poet competition. I don't know if you guys it, listening are old enough to um, remember remember the Iron Chef, but the Iron Chef it's like the British baking show only with you know. It's, it's the original.
0: Um, you mean the original Japanese show. one? Yep. Not the because it's still on.
4: <laughs> oh, it's still on. I thought it ended in the nineties.
0: Okay. Oh God, no. Oh wow,
4: well, of course. <laughs> that Brown. That. Anyway, the Iron Chef um, they get an ingredient and they have to make do. They have to cook with that ingredient, etc. So what I am doing is for the Iron Poet. And I pick a, a, I've done these for sonnets, the pie poem, and um, limericks. And the rule is for the sonnet, you take a sonnet by William Shakespeare because he writes good sonnets, okay? You take the last word of each line, okay? And you write your own sonnet using the last word of each line. Okay, so what I did was I took sonnet 18, which is the Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day. Okay, and the words are day, temperate, may, date, shines, dimmed, declines, untrimmed, fade, owest, shade, growest, see, and thee." And so I wrote my own. It's a little different. As both the moons slip down to start the day, I miss our home, our climate, temperate. My captain claims that recent peace talks made release us home. She cannot name a date. My cabin's cramped and cold. Your image shines, much-needed light. My hope remains undimmed, we'll reunite. I beg, yet she declines, and thus her clinging keeps our force untrimmed. For if we leave, she'll see her power fade. She cannot cover all the debt she owes. We're right. We're wilting here like plants among the shade. I fear unrest among my peers still grows. Should never we were the starry sea, my heart still bleeds to have abandoned thee. So, you might notice that that is a science fiction poem. Okay? This is one of the things I like about Iron Poet competitions, is you can take something like that and do whatever you want with it, and, and, and you know, and whether you hated it or not. What? Yes, John?
3: Where do you hold these Iron Poet competitions?
4: Well... I, um, right now, what I'm doing is I'm going to start posting them on medium.com. And, um, uh, this one I'm going to post tomorrow. I was going to post it last week because, you know, uh, sonnets and Valentine's Day, but I screwed up. But medium.com, and, um, I write there as Karen Williams, and, um, you can, I'm going to use the tag Iron Poet. So if you go there and look for the tag Iron Poet, you should pull up. But first one goes, um, is dropped
0: tomorrow which will be uh, well, a, let's just say maybe soon it's hard soon. to tell
4: yeah soon. We'll drop soon you're right soon is a much better than an actual day soon trust not
0: publishers we know this yeah, oh. trust not
4: trust not anything but but and every you know month or so after that I'm gonna add some work because I've got um, I've got a pie poem which I will share with you in a bit
3: uh, Can you, has, you explain what a pie poem is?
0: Okay it, There are many people who have never done pipe poems or heard of pipe
1: poems.
4: Hi pi is pi, which as you know, is 3.1415, etc. Um,
1: it's not Chris it
4: went some pie.
1: No, no, it's not okay. and it's not private investigator.
4: It's not private investigator. Mm-hmm. But the, so many people have come up with variations on it because of course, um, the first line must have three syllables or words. then there's, then there's the point. Then there's, you know, and, and then the third line must have one syllable or word and so on and so forth. So each line must, cor- syllables or words must correspond to the number in the value of pi. Okay. My particular take on it is the um, the second the second line must be the word point and the last line must be anything to do with infinity and so on, right. dot, 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 something like that. And so I have...
1: So can you make it can you make it any length as long as it, yes. it ends as long in infinity? As
4: you can make it an infinite poem. Three point one four to, one five nine
1: right. Yes, cetera, yeah. cetera, you can make yeah. it an
0: infinite poem if you want to sit and write yeah. there for infinity.
1: Or you could just say three point infinity.
0: You know, she but, might she might be in the middle of a pie
4: poem right now. I might actually I can read you a pie poem. Please do. it's, it's, it's not don't worry, it's not an infinite one. It's <laughs> not an infinite one. We
1: assume as much because you would not be or here not if it me. were.
4: I call it a love song to an uncertain future. I've encountered that point. One implied, inherent, even promised. One never sought, not a gift. The peaches I have dared lie eaten. Sticky memories, blue ribbons molding in a muddy cardboard box. What do I dare as my next peach? So little time to claim between this morning's aches and when I join infinity.
0: Can I share from you something really, really funny that won't hopefully screw everything up but still make you giggle late at night? I have a friend from Greece. She's already laughing. She's gone. <laughs> My friend from Greece let us all know that what the hell is with these Westerners because it's pronounced P. <laughs>
4: <laughs> well, it's kind of like noodles. P-H-O is pronounced P-H-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O-N-O so that's why they Good have the fa queen. They don't have the pho king. There. Yes. And so I was talking about noodles,
2: parents out there. <laughs> noodles.
4: Uh-huh. Yes.
2: Okay. Okay, if we're talking about reading poems, mm. can I tell a little story? Yes. Please do. Yes, please tell a um, story.
0: So John's writing them frantically as we go know, here, I, just I, so I everybody see, knows. So a lot of these are coming right.
2: Oh. Right. Um, so my... My two best friends were getting married. Oh. Uh-huh. Um, and Helen asked if I would be her best man. And I said, yes, you're fine. What are my duties? And she said... I would have said those two things in the opposite order. <laughs> you are a more cautious man than I. Probably. Um, he wasn't. Um, and... She said, you don't have to do anything, Chess. We're getting somebody else to do all the organising because we know you're crap at that. (laughs) But we want you to read something at the ceremony. Um, And and I said, yes, you're fine. And the thing was, um, Helen and Mark had met at an eclipse-chasing holiday. They had gone to Madagascar individually um and had been on this two week camping trip through Madagascar um chasing the eclipse the solar eclipse I should say. Mm. Um and so obvious and, and they had gone to other eclipses since. So obviously you know, I wanted to read something that was eclipse based. And and I scoured the internet um and, and English literature generally, but via the internet mostly. Um, for eclipse poems, that would be romantic, and I couldn't find any, so I had to write one and but I didn't tell them that I had written it because I didn't want to spoil um i didn't yeah it, the event was not about me right. um so I told them I had found this poem mm-hmm. um and I would just like to point
4: out, the moment he told me this story, when he started, I said, you wrote it, didn't you, right away? Because I know him, but his best friend of forever. It's like, oh, uh, that's so sweet, Chaz. Yes.
2: Go ahead and read it. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're very clever. clever. Shall <laughs> I continue? <laughs> Wives are awesome. Uh-huh. Um, so, so this is, this oh, poem awful. is called Eclipse by John Mark Lyndon. An eclipse is sheltering the shadow of another body between you and a hard sun. Lovers eclipse each other, willfully standing in each other's lights, and in that timeless twilight no birds sing, so they can hear the beat of each other's blood against the silence. And is it any wonder, then, that we should chase eclipses of our own, to snatch a taste of it and feel obscurely threatened by the size of it, the rush of it, The moon's shadow and how we run to stand within it at that place, that time, that angle to the sun. And it's not about the sun, though we pretend with pinhole cameras, pinhole sentiments. It's about what comes between the sun and us. Graceful, monumental, undelayed, the urgency of moment. And it trails its shadow like a disregarded veil that falls across us because we have run to be there. But it's not about the shadow, nor the light. It's about us, as it always is, our bodies in their perilous orbits, and how we chase that touch of perfect balance, eye to eye, lit only by each other. It's all about eclipses, in the end. Lovers have always known this. We can learn.
0: That's lovely. That
4: is nice. That is very pretty. Mm -hmm.
0: John,
3: are you quite ready yet? No, I'm writing a sonnet. Sonnets are tricky. Uh, right, well,
1: I'll, I'll, I'll recite my double dactyls then, shall I? Oh, yes, yeah, so so double dactyls. Right. Yes, back to bi- biographical poems. Or, um, so a double dactyl. Higgledy piggledy, da da da-da-da, da 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 right? okay. da okay. da so, da 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 um, it turns out that Romeo Capulet and Juliet, Juliet Capulet and Romeo Montague. Thank you. Are absolutely double dactyls. So yes, I couldn't resist. Okay. Um, Higglety Pigglety. Juliet Capulet had a few friends who, upon her demise, said that's her typical over-emotional overreaction to smooth-talking guys.
3: <laughs> oh my God. How do you spell over is that O-V-A-R-Y or O-V-E-R? No, 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 V-A-R-Y. it's
1: O-V-E-R. Don't, don't read too much into it. All right. <laughs> but it's got that lovely fun in sure, it. Sure, okay. Um, the second. Uh, Higglety-pigglety. Romeo Montague caused a few cynics to ask in his wake. Tragedy caused by his sentimentality? Or was it simply a stupid mistake?
4: Please, <laughs> <laughs> I love it that when you realize that Romeo and Juliet's full names uh, would make a double dactyl, that yes. you had to write it. Mm-hmm. I just—that's wonderful. That, was beautiful. that is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. Those were very clever. Thank you. Best double dactyls I've heard all <laughs> <long. laughs> Okay, all right. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do limericks. Dirty, these are dirty. these Yay. are dirty. Yay! Right. Only if you have the right kind. Right. of Right. If
1: you're under eighteen, turn off the podcast now. Yeah. Don't be silly. If you're under eighteen, turn the volume up. Right. Anyway, bring your parents so, into the room.
4: So yeah, yeah, they'll need it. So I was. Um, this was a, a, a competition um, at in an SCA event uh, where we had. We were given the first line and we had to finish it. And so I finished the poem, the, the, um, the limerick, and then just kept going. But the first line, well, you'll see. Her lord away on crusade, the lady acquired a blade. It was long, thick, and wide, but it stayed by her side. So she thought it a suitable trade. Her lord no. having taken the cross, he cried as he pondered his loss. The night is too cold with no woman to hold, and a camel's too likely to toss. Her lord on an infidel infidel purge, the lady acquired an urge to visit patricians and watch their musicians in hopes that a fluke would emerge. Her lord in Jerusalem's sight, he awoke stiff and hard in the night, though he tossed and he turned, still he throbbed and he burned, for he'd slept in his armor too tight. Her lord returned from lands holy, they shared what they'd learned about solely, she said with a grin, a crusader can't sin, so I'll ease you back into it slowly."
1: Yay. Well, that's an entire uh, yes, it is. Uh, I don't know, Limerick uh
2: It's
4: a Limerick sequence that makes an entire a full poem. Mm-hmm. I'm very proud of cycle. Itself. It's a, a limerick, trun- cycle, I
2: tell you. <laughs> well it's a,
4: it's a quintology. Uh, it's, it's a quintology. Uh, uh, Alright, John.
3: John One more line. Okay. One more line. Ooh, um, one more poem one from more you guys. Poem.
4: One more poem. Poems
2: poems. Poem.
4: So one of the things, again, we were talking about in a previous podcast, The Riddle Master of Head. Hooray! And there's also in, um, in of course, uh, The Hobbit. I mean, that's in The Hobbit, the poems in the dark. I think mm-hmm. that kind of set the stage for poetry and fantasy.
0: Um, cannot be seen, cannot be felt, cannot well, be heard, cannot be smelt. It lies behind... Grows under, under hills and empty holes it fills. It comes first and follows after. Ends life, kills laughter.
3: Mm-hmm. Darkness, Dar- darkness, Ta- yeah. taxation,
0: taxation. <laughs> yeah,
4: taxation. I like that one. Mm. But Yeah, but I've pre- I, I, I learned some of those too. Yeah. And um, oh, and also Rudyard Kipling. Hooray! Now, now, chill the kite brings home the night that Ming the bat sets free. The herds are shut in fire and hut for loose till dawn are we. This is the hour of pride and power, talent and Tush and Claw. Oh, hear the call, of good hunting all, that keep, dun- j- keep the jungle law. That's the first one from uh, the first Mowgli book, uh, the jungle book. And I vowed that I would memorize every one of them before I would go further in the story. But the story was just too good, so that's the only one I memorized. Mm. But <laughs> I was like 10 and like, such mm. a geek. And I've, mm-hmm. it's
0: totally changed since then. Right. Can I read one of my favorite? Will that give you enough time to finish yours? Yes, please. Okay. Edward Rowland Sills, I mentioned was one of my favorites He wrote something called Opportunity Oh, trust me, they can all hear me (laughs) This I beheld, or dreamed it in a dream There spread a cloud of dust along a plain And underneath the cloud, or in it, raged a furious battle And men yelled and swords shocked upon swords and shields A prince's banner wavered, then staggered back, hemmed by foes A craven hung along the battle's edge and thought Had I a sword of keener steel, that blue blade the king's son bears, but this blunt thing, he snapped and flung it from his hand, and lowering crept away and left the field. Then came the king's son, wounded, Sorbus dead, and weaponless, and saw the broken sword, hilt buried in the dry and trodden sand, and ran and snatched it, and with a battle shout lifted afresh, he hewed his enemy down, and saved a great cause that heroic day.
2: Okay, um, why do you like this particularly?
0: I have always loved this for what it represents. You know, it's. The, Did you read the title? It's called Opportunity. You should who's lead it? with that. Who's it by? Edward Rowland Sill. was a nineteenth-century fellow? He wrote a lot of good ones. He wrote the King's. You know, the uh, the royal feast was done. The King sought some new sport to manage care, and and that one in particular, I've always loved it because. The Hung no, it's the Hungarian saying a poor dancer blames his pants. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I
0: a, poor a poor artist car- blames a poor carpenter, a p- carpenter blames, blames his tools. tools
3: yeah. No, that's Turkish oil wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And- <laughs> What's our rating on this podcast?
0: <laughs> PG thirteen. It's on the There's internet. Nothing dirty about Turkish. Oil or oil or
1: wrestling. That's
0: right.
3: Excellent. My poem is ready. Shall Great. we have it then? Woo-hoo!
0: Yes. Spontaneous like, poetry from John.
3: Well, I don't know, spontaneous when you're doing a sonnet, but this is written actually to two people who discussed poetry with me recently, and you should know who you are. Um Does it have a title? Nope.
1: Okay. Carry on.
3: It's not that dead. It's not carry on. My heart travels the moon road to you, a fancy buttressed by Titiana's sending. Her kind face beams down ideas to do so that our hearts together can share their mending. In night's dark, I wrestle insecurities, time separating hard chances that I desire, until the sun arrives with shining purities and light, and coffee relight my fire the day's duties acceded to are endless as time is eternal we fill it well I would rather see you more than less but I cannot my other commitments oft tell at the end of dreams I find with trepidation my mind flies but my body has to take public transportation
0: <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs> That was great. Spontaneous magic. Mm-hmm. Also, you said duties, which, mm-hmm. you know, what are we, 12? If that, yeah. yeah.
3: So
4: I, th- I think that there is, in fact, and I've been trying to remember it, a a novel where to do the magic, someone must come up with
0: at least a couplet. Oh, wait, what was that? Dog roll had to come out. Yeah. Well, that was a
1: Stephen Bruce thing you talked about a a while back, yeah.
4: Oh, okay, because it's been years and years since
1: I. I And I was, yeah, I was going to say back when we recorded that episode. I love that game because I'm good at writing doggerel. So I was like the, the God Mage of Doom in that game. <laughs> That's true. Yeah.
0: We will we will put links to the poems. Is it that time already? It is. All and right. the interesting things that we have done about in this podcast, uh, perhaps even John might be moved to blog his poem for us. So check it out at www.writersdrinkingcoffee.com dot dot com. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter. We love it when you write poetry to us. So if anybody wants to go and write us a poem, we would be glad to read it on the air or just simply read it quietly to ourselves with great joy. You've been listening to Writers Drinking Coffee, a labor of love and enthusiasm put together by the host. Our main web support magic is Deirdre McGaffey-Schween, and our sound engineer and backup web spider is David Welsh. Our intro music is Pretty Made Milking a Cow. And Exit Music is Breakfast with a Morning Person, both by Michael Langberg. Michael Langberg has a lot more great stuff at ManyHatsMusic.com. Our podcast s- sponsor is often Jekyll Designs, whom we'll hope will someday again, when she's done with her real job, come write more, make more t-shirts for us. You can buy them online.